Well, good afternoon. Uh, my name is John T. Um, it's my joy to be one of the leaders here and to have the privilege of opening up God's Word this afternoon so that we can learn together and so that we can hear what God wants us to know as his family. Um, I've been away for a few weeks and it's so good to be back. It's lovely to be back with church family. Um, spent the last week in France with the, with the team from Globe who were there. Um, turns out that I really am as bad at French uh, as I thought I was. Um, and that might feature in my sermon as we go. But I'm not preaching in French. Um, I'd love you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, page 900, page 970. And we're going to spend the next um, eight weeks or so trying to understand, and not just to understand, but trying to take on board what it means to pray. I don't think that lots of what we're going to see in the next few weeks is going to surprise you. I don't think probably that you're going to learn a load of new things intellectually. I think we'll learn some. I don't think you're going to learn a lot intellectually, but I'm praying that we would learn a lot in our experience. You see, my guess is that we know a load of stuff, but that doesn't always translate into what we do. So if I asked you about prayer, you may be able to give me some really good answers But if I asked you about your prayer life, it may be slightly different. At least that's certainly true for me. And so I'd love us to be asking, as a church family, that God would teach us to pray. Give us a hunger and a a fresh understanding of what it means to pray. So let's do that now. Let's ask that God would help us. And then I'm going to read this section that we're going to be looking at for the next eight weeks or so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have just sung, How great is our God? You're the one who holds time in your hands. When you speak, darkness trembles. As we sit here this afternoon, we are not dealing with some small little thing. We're dealing with the creator of the universe. The God who is all-powerful. And yet the God who invites us longs, desires for us to pray. Please teach us. Father, please teach us. Many of us would say that we really struggle in this area. And we ask that you teach us new things. And we ask that we might taste more of your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read um, Matthew 6, verses 5 um, to 15. It contains uh, the Lord's Prayer, you'll notice. What we're going to do today, though, is I'm I'm trying to set it up today. Um, We're not going to get into the prayer itself. Um, I I want us to take a step back from it and see the backdrop on which Jesus uh, says these things. But let's, let's read it, and then we'll get into that. So Jesus says, when you pray, well, that's interesting, right, for a start, when you pray, Not if you pray. There's a deep expectation within Jesus that we're going to pray. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We're going to spend eight weeks trying to understand that. That's it. That's our text for the next eight weeks. And we're going to learn together, and not just learn, but then express it together and enjoy this together. And I hope we're excited about what God might do among us in the next few weeks. But let me start with a basic principle that underlines everything that we're going to say in the rest of this series. And I'll put up, this is my one point for today. Um, It's there already. That kind of spoiled it, didn't it? Now we're going backwards. There we go. The one point for today is that right praying comes from a needy heart. That's it. That's all I want us to get into our heads today. Now, the reason I say that is because you can't just pluck the Lord's Prayer out of context and say, oh, here's a nice little prayer. This is what happens all the time, right? Here's a nice little prayer. That's cute. We'll put it on a card. We'll put it on a poster. We'll learn to pray that. We'll teach that in schools. We'll get everyone praying that. That's really nice. Cliff Richard could write... Oh, you're too young. Cliff Richard could write a song, and it could be number one at Millennium, and we could all sing this. It feels nice. We'll have that. When Jesus spoke this prayer... It wasn't some magic words that you just could take and say, oh yes, I'll use that as my prayer. No, the whole of this sermon that Jesus is preaching, because this is one sermon all the way from chapter 5 to chapter 7, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. The whole of this sermon is about what it means to be a disciple. What does it mean to belong to Jesus? What does it mean to be part of his kingdom? What does it mean to follow him? And this section is just part of the big thing about what it means to be a disciple, which means Jesus is teaching us that it is disciples who pray. That's what they do. Disciples of Jesus pray. Now, Let's just get this right. I just want to make sure there's no misunderstandings. Praying, just praying, taking these words and praying them, does not make you a disciple. Any more than drinking milk and meowing will make you a cat. Right? You know that. Sorry, this is trivial. But if you are a cat... 
then you will meow and drink milk because you're a cat. See? It's crystal clear now. (laughs) Just because you pray doesn't make you a disciple, but if you are a disciple, then you will pray. Because that's what disciples do. Jesus is not teaching us, say these magic words and everything will be fine with God. He's saying, if you're my child, if you're my disciple, then you will pray like this. That means we have to understand what it means to be a disciple if we're going to understand how to pray. It starts with being a disciple. Which takes me back to uh, the very first um, verse, the first sentence of Jesus' sermon. So go back to the start of the sermon. And really my sermon today is this verse, not the Lord's Prayer. We're going to go back to chapter 5, verse 3. The first sentence of this sermon is critical to understanding what's going on in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to be someone who's poor in spirit. What does that mean? That's what we're going to try and work out. And we're going to try and think together about that phrase, because if we can understand what it means to be poor in spirit, then we'll understand how we can pray the Lord's Prayer from a right heart, rather than just meowing and drinking milk and pretending to be a cat. Look, imagine you're driving uh, along a motorway in your car or someone else's car, probably not your car, maybe, whatever, you're in a car, and you're driving along the motorway, and you have a full tank of petrol, and you see a service station. What is your reaction to the service station? This has got a point. What is your reaction to the service station when you have a full tank of petrol? What do we think? This is a game we can play. You can join in if you want. Don't normally do this at Globe. Pardon? Right. You walk, you, so you see the Globe service station, you immediately begin to think, oh, I wonder if there's anything I need. A neck pillow, one of those neck pillows. You can only get those in service. I could do with one of those. My neck is a little sore. And you, you pull in and you buy yourself a, two bottles of Coke because that's cheaper than buying one. You know, you end up with two and then you can, can't sleep. And you get yourself a McDonald's or something else disgusting and, and a thing around your neck. Okay, now imagine you're driving on the motorway and your petrol tank is empty and you see a service station. What do you think? Right, suddenly it's different, right? Suddenly it's like... I need that. Here it's kind of, oh, maybe. Here it's, I need it. To be poor in spirit means to know that you're empty. It means to know that your tank is empty. And too many of us, I think, pray thinking that we have a full tank. So we're going through life thinking, I'm doing okay, things are all right. I'll pray. Yeah, okay, it'd be nice to pray. Perhaps I'll do a little bit of praying. Might sort out my neck a little bit. I could do some praying. We need to learn to pray from an empty tank. From a sense of desperate need. Let me show you what full tank praying looks like, because Jesus tells us. You know it is possible to pray wrongly, right? 
You know, some people say, well, as long as you're praying, does it really matter? Yes, it really does. Jesus says, don't pray like this and don't pray like this. There are wrong ways to pray. So go back to chapter 6. Let me show you what it looks like to be a full tank prayer. Jesus says in verse 5, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You see them? They're driving along the motorway. And they're pretty confident in themselves. They've got a full tank. They're doing great. We're okay. Ooh, pray? Yeah. And if you'd seen these, if you'd spoken to these guys and said, do you like praying? I love praying. You'd go, wow, it's amazing. But you see why they're praying? They're praying to be seen by others. They want to impress other people by their spirituality. They want to make a big demonstration so that everyone else around goes, wow, amazing. That's because they're full tank prayers. They don't see that they need anything. They just want a chance to show off a bit. I wonder if we ever fall into a trap like that. We just want people to know. It's it's an opportunity. Prayer becomes a, a way in which we can show people that we're pretty good. And so we, we want to pray prayers that are impressive, or we, we want people to know that we pray. Perhaps that's some of us. We want to show off. That's full tank praying. I don't want to spend too long on this because I want to get to the empty tank praying. But there's a second type of full tank praying. Have a look down at verse 7. Here's the second one. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. So here they are again, driving on the motorway, and they think, oh, I could do with something. And they, they think that they have the resources within themselves to kind of get something out of God. As long as I babble, as long as I pray enough words, as long as my prayers are good enough, I can find a key that unlocks the door of heaven, and ka-ching, now I get what I want. The praying becomes about a performance by which I merit something. So I have to pray a certain number of times. I have to say a certain number of prayers. Have you ever heard anything like this? Have you ever felt anything like this? If I prayed for a little bit longer, perhaps God would have given that to me. If my prayers had been just a little bit better, if I'd known the right words to say, that's falling into the trap of thinking that I need a full tank in order to be able to pray. Jesus says, they think they'll be heard because of their many words, but your Father in heaven isn't like that. Can you imagine, if, as, a, as a dad with my kids, if I had every day, I uh, decided on a magic word that I would not listen to my kids unless they guessed what magic word it was. And so they would spend most of the morning desperately trying to get me to say every word, reading through the dictionary, until they hit upon the word bramble. And I go, yes, darling child. That's ridiculous, right? That's completely nonsense. No, that doesn't work like that. That's how lots of people think God is. 
if I can just get the right words in place. There are millions of people around our world praying, spinning prayer wheels in little villages in Tibet, crying out to all sorts of gods and all sorts of things, desperately trying to find a way, offering prayers to Mary, hoping that perhaps she might be the one who can unlock the door. Over and over, trying to find something that will unlock the door. And all the time, God says, I'm your father. I love to hear you pray. I'm not setting you some little trick that you have to try and unlock. And so we need to learn to pray. But we will only learn to pray when we know how empty we are. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who know that they're empty. And it becomes a heart posture. You know, this this is going to... I'm still learning this, right? God is not so interested in the words that you're saying. He's interested in the heart that is saying them. He's looking at your heart. And the heart that he delights in is not the heart that comes saying, hello God, let me tell you why you should do all these things for me. It's the heart that comes saying, Father, I'm empty. I've got nothing. But I come to you. That's why you close the door. That's why you pray in secret. That's why you pray to your Father who's unseen. That's why you pray on your own. That's why you pray not trying to impress other people, but just you and God being able to talk to him. That's why you don't have to use hundreds of words, clever words, theological words. You don't have to use any of that. You just have to come with an empty, needy, poor heart. But that's what we find hard. Because that's really humbling. So what I want to do in in the rest of our times, I want to show you what that would look like. I want to try and be really practical. And I'm going to give you three phrases. Well, they're verses from the Bible. That I want to encourage you to try and use in your praying this week. All right? And these are empty heart prayers. Empty tank prayers. Here's, here's the first one. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. That is very difficult to pray if your, heart, if your tank is full of yourself, right? If our hearts are full of ourselves, if what we really want is for God to bless our plans, this is, right? this is crazy, okay? God, I've got this great plan. And I think it might make me really rich. You know, I think it might make me really famous. I could do with your help. I've chosen these six numbers. And there's every chance. Like, seriously, I could win. All I need you to do is get them to come up on the lottery. That's it. That's all I need. Of course, we'd never do that. Not that boldly, anyway. Although I have been tempted 
It is it's strange, isn't it? It is strange, Lord. You just sometimes find yourself thinking, God, why don't you just give us all that? 25 million pounds. Sorry, this is unhelpful, I know. 25 million pound rollover. We could do with that. Think what Globe Church could do with that. Do you know why God would never do that? Because we'd never have to trust him again, right? We'd never need him again. And what God wants is not to fill our tanks. He wants us to learn to trust him. But God says, no, you trust him. And you learn to pray, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. You learn to pray, this is not about me and my life. And sometimes when we look at our praying, I wonder how much of our praying is about God and his glory and how much of our praying is about me and my easy life. I, I, I want to try and be as practical as I can as I go along. I, I um, For many years I met with a guy to pray and um, he had a significant struggle in his life. And um, we met at one point we were meeting daily to pray about this thing. And we wept together, and we cried together, and we prayed together, and we pleaded with God together. And I got very angry with God at one point. Because I said to him, God, why won't you take this? Why won't you do this? And then I was very rebuked, because I thought, actually, I think part of the reason I want this prayer to be answered is because it will make my life easier. Because <laughs> then I won't have to keep doing this. And that changed the way we started praying. Because you learn to pray, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And can I say, you know, when you're praying for someone who's sick, when you're praying for someone who you love dearly, who is ill, and, and you pray, and you know, Christians pray that kind of, if it be your will, would they be better? Would, would you heal them? And we go, well, that's just a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. I want to encourage you, that is not a cop-out in how to pray. That is saying, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Lord, would you be glorified even in this situation? I long for this person to be healed, but you, your glory, you know I trust you. That's not copping out. And when you feel that little voice in your head that goes, no, it's just a cop-out, so if they're not healed, I can go, well, it wasn't his will. That is learning to pray with an empty tank, that's learning to say, Lord, it's not to us. And you pray that through tears, right? You pray that in pain. But that is how we pray. Learning to pray for the glory of God. And you know what? The glory of God is always, always for our greatest good. God's glory, God's glory being put on display is good. So this week, as you pray, as you pray about your work colleagues, you know, I do this about, oh, this is, I, I, I do this about evangelism, even in the way I pray for people who don't know Jesus. Often I pray because I think I'd love someone to become a Christian because then everyone would think I'm great. You, ever do, you probably don't do that. I do that. I think because if loads of people became Christians, Everyone would think, wow, John's been such a great pastor. 
And I think, well, so why am I praying for Globe Church to grow? And then you say, not to us, Lord. Empty my tank. Drain my tank of all my pride. Not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory. Let's use that this week. That's what it means to pray poor in spirit. I'm poor. To your name be the glory. Here's the second one. Poor in spirit, people pray, wash away all my iniquity. Poor in spirit, people know that they need forgiveness. Full tank people don't know that. Full tank people don't realize that. I don't think when the Pharisee stood up to pray on the street corner in front of all the other people, I don't think he was confessing his sin, right? I don't think he was publicly declaring all the sins he'd committed in the past week. But poor in spirit, people know they need forgiveness. Do you, do you know you need forgiveness? Do you feel your daily need of forgiveness? As you look back at the way you've prayed in the last week, and I say this to help us, not just to crush us, I say this to help us. How much has being sorry for your sin, for the things you've done wrong, featured in your praying this week? Saying to God, please wash me clean. You see, the reality is, to have a full heart, to be full, a full tank, to be full of myself, is so deeply sinful. It's, it's what's the big problem with me. The big problem with me is that I should be empty and coming to God and saying, God, would you fill me? But instead, I think I can fill myself. I think I can sort everything myself. And I end up making it, getting, getting it wrong. I end up making a mess. And yet God says, come on, pray. Pray for forgiveness. Of course, this is why Jesus died. He died to wash you clean. So here's what I want you to think about this week. As we think about this praying from a poor in spirit, I want you to remember this week, I want us to see from God's word this week that Jesus died so that you could pray. That's what he died for. He died so that you could pray. He so, so passionately cares about you praying that he gave his life on the cross. And to be a disciple of Jesus means that you pray. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus unless you pray. Because to be a disciple of Jesus means you say, Jesus, please wash me clean of my iniquity, my sin. You can't be a disciple without praying that. So Jesus died on a cross so you could pray. And not just so you could pray once, but so you could live a lifetime of prayer. Every time you pray, you can only pray because Jesus died on a cross. And every time we refuse to pray, we're not taking hold of what Jesus bought for us, won for us. So this week, we pray not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And then we pray, wash me. Wash me, wash me. 
Make me clean. And every single day, this is what's so beautiful about being a Christian, every single day, you start clean. You're made clean by Jesus as he washes you. As he forgives all your sin. As he restores you. And then the last one. Um, there's one more uh, verse from the Old Testament. And I, I, hope, I just hope these are helpful practically about how you pray um, with a poverty of spirit. This, is, this verse here is, has been the most helpful verse for me in terms of prayer and praying with people. And I really hope it will be for you. Empty tank people say, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That was prayed by a man called Jehoshaphat. But you don't have to be called Jehoshaphat in order to pray that prayer. It was, he prayed that prayer when he was facing a vast army. Well, here it is. I'll, I'll read it to you. You can look at it in 2 Chronicles 20 later. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. <laughs> it's fairly blunt. What would a full tank person do when they're told a vast army is coming against you? A full tank person would go, right, how many armies have we got? How many supplies have we got? Right, we need a strategy. We need a plan. We need to take this. But not Jehoshaphat. This is what it says. Alarmed. That was good. So Jehoshaphat, well, he wasn't superhuman. Oh, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all the people. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Seek him and live. That's what empty tank people do. It's a vast army, Lord. We are absolutely stuffed. We need you. Can you picture it? Can you picture people coming from all over Judah, from every town, every village, streaming to Jerusalem to pray? We need you. We need you. We need you. And Jehoshaphat stood up as the king, and he led them in prayer. And the last thing he said was, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is what I love about poor in spirit praying. You don't even have to know the answer. When you pray, you don't have to tell God what the answer to your prayer is. You just tell him the problem. You lay it out before him. You plead with him and you say, Lord, we don't know what to do. That's what you do when you're facing situations that you can't cope with. That's what you do when a vast army is attacking. That's what you do when things are hard. That's what you do. That's what disciples do. They're poor in spirit and they come before God and say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Does it freak you out when someone, when, you know, one of your friends says, can, can we meet up and have a coffee? And they tell you about something that's going on in their life. And you sit there going, man, I, I don't know what to say. This is what you say. You say, we're going to pray together. And you say, God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
Your job is not to sort out the problems of the people who come to you. Your job is not to fix everything. Your job is not to sort everything. Your job is not to have a plan and a strategy and an army that's big enough. Your job is not to do that stuff. Your job is to look to God and to help others to look to God. That's what we need to do. That's what we're going to learn as we learn to pray to our Father in heaven. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And perhaps some of you, even today, are facing situations and you say, I, I, I don't know what to do. There's a struggle in your life and it's too big for you and you, you're tired of trying to find a solution and you don't know, you're, you're absolutely at the end of yourself. I don't know. That's when you pray. Right there. And I've got to say that for many of us who are still struggling to come to terms with all that's happened with the death of Toby and Millie, this is how we pray. We don't know God. We don't know. We don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know how we're going to get through this. We don't know what is going on. We don't know how this is for good. We don't know anything. But our eyes are on you. That's what it means to pray with an empty tank. So as a church family, let's be, let's be a church family that embraces an empty tank. Some of us, we want to look impressive. We want to be sorted. We want everyone to think that we've got it nailed. We want everyone to think that we're great prayers, that we're spiritual. We want everyone to feel like that. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop. You've got to stop trying to be impressive. It's tiring. It's exhausting. And you do not have the resources. Let Jesus drain your tank and teach you to trust him. And some of you are sitting and you go, well, I know what it's like to have an empty tank. I feel completely broken. Well, if that's you, then you're in the place to start praying. You don't have to get a full tank before you pray. You pray there. You pray not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Wash me. Wash me in my sin. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I'm trying to show us what it means to be poor in spirit. God, teach us. Please teach us that we might be poor in spirit. We're going to, um, we're going to sing together. And then we're, we're going to sing two songs. In between those two songs... Um, we're going to, I'm going to, we'll sit down. I'm going to give you us a chance to pray. Um, a chunk of time to pray. Perhaps one of those three phrases. Perhaps all of them. Not to us, O Lord. Wash me. We don't know what to do. One of those three phrases. Perhaps use that right in the, in between these two songs. And let's begin to learn to cry out. Empty my tank. Empty my tank. Teach me to trust you. And let's cry out to him, even in the struggle and sorrow. But we're going to start by singing um, a song that only empty tank people can sing. A song that says, carry me, carry me. I am weak, you know my need, carry me. Let's use this, use this to express our dependence on him. And look, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, it's brilliant you're here. 
I hope you can understand what it means to be a disciple. Disciple has nothing to do with being impressive, nothing to do with keeping rules or being clever. Disciple is about saying, I'm weak, but God is strong. I'm dirty, but Jesus died to wash me clean. Why don't you follow him now? (laughs) Come on, follow him. This is where life is.